So we're on the next uh, section. So this is the eighth principle in the text, and uh, the seventh for us, uh, as we didn't cover the first one. <coughs> so this section is on kibr, which is pride. So Al Ghazali begins by referencing the Quran. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said, like this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seals the heart of every conceited, haughty person. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also said, And wretched is the abode of the arrogant. Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, and I give some hadith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Might is my lower garment, haughtiness is my upper garment. Whoever contends with me for them, I shall break him. Allah's Messenger also said, Whoever has a particle's weight of pride in his heart will not enter paradise. He also said, The haughty and the conceited will be gathered on the day of resurrection as pulverized bits, which people will trample on. This will be because of their lowliness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He meaning the Prophet once said to Bilal, Verily there is a valley in hell. Uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and in that valley, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will rightfully house it with every haughty person. So beware, O Bilal, of being from amongst those who reside there. So Prophet was giving this warning to Bilal. Anhu. So he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, O Allah, I seek refuge in you from pride swelling within me. This is the Prophet وسلم, seeking refuge in Allah from pride swelling within me. He said concerning the virtue of humility, Allah does not increase a slave's clemency without increasing his dignity likewise. There is no one who humbles himself for Allah's sake except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raises him up. This is a hadith of the Prophet He says, Man The person that places himself down, meaning lowers himself, or lowers herself, The consequence of lowering yourself is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will raise you. So you see this in the habits of many of our pious predecessors, ulama, scholars, uh, mashayikh, etc. That they w- their focus was just lowering themselves, and Allah subhanahu wa taala would then raise them, and that's why we know about their qualities today. Not, we don't ac- we don't actually. It wasn't that they actually dis- displayed their qualities to people, or it's not that they revealed them. It's not that that's for the reason it was passed down through generations. It's because they actually lowered themselves. They try to keep themselves hidden. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't want to keep them hidden. He would open up their lives. We see this even today uh, in our teachers. They hide maybe 95% of the their realities, their ibadat, their character. They hide them. Uh, but the reason we know about them is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens it up through some ways, through some strange uh, ways. And the one who exhibits pride, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, will, will drop them. Uh, he also said, Glad tidings to whoever humbles himself despite not being in a subordinate position. So the Prophet was giving glad tidings to the person who, dis- meaning despite them potentially having authority over people for whatever, in whichever respect that may be, they still choose to, sub- to make themselves subordinate. Uh, sorry, they, cho- they still choose to humble themselves despite this. And Allah Subhan- the Prophet was giving glad tidings to them. Our Prophet ﷺ said, If the slave humbles himself for Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will raise him up to the seventh heaven. He also said, Verily, humility does not increase the slave in anything but elevation. So the same principle that the result of humility isn't that you actually, you yourself are put down, whether it be in society or whether it be uh, in the eyes of Allah. It's actually the opposite. The result of it is that 
you then become elevated, certainly in the eyes of Allah. And if Allah Ta'ala chooses, then it ends up being in the eyes of people as well. Therefore, be humble, and may Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala have mercy on you. So then Imam Ghazali continues. The next section, he talks a little bit about pride, the reality of pride, what it, what it really means. And he goes over different, um, four different uh, types of pride, or four different groups of people that have pride, basically. So he says, the reality of pride is that a person sees himself above another in regards to an attribute of perfection, which causes him, which which in him cause which causes in him an inflated pride, and a ple- and a pleasure at this contemptible contemptible belief. So number one, it's an attribute of perfection, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is only the one that's perfect. So we see uh, ourselves more perfect than other people, meaning we see ourselves more godly or more divine than someone else. Uh, which causes him an inflated pride. So it's inflated. Uh, for this reason, the Prophet ﷺ said, I seek refuge with you from the inflated pride of conceit. Now what's the nature of something that's inflated? There is very little um, substance to it. There's very little uh, reality to it. So for instance, an inflatable cushion is just filled with air. There's really nothing there. It's a thin sheet of, uh, of tarp or rubber or plastic. Um, but that, you you know, you stick a, a you punch a hole in it or you create a hole in it, um, and it just completely deflates and it falls to the ground. Whereas, you know, uh, for instance, a, uh, a sofa or a cushion that's actually made out of what it's supposed to be made of, appropriate proper materials, doesn't matter. You might stick something in it, but it wouldn't fall. It would, sorry, wouldn't collapse to the ground. It would just, um, uh, it, it would just have that area that was damaged. So, uh, so the, the Prophet used to seek refuge. From Allah, from the inflated pride of conceit. The inflated pride of conceit. So, um, furthermore, this inflated pride produces certain outward actions in a person, like sitting high in gatherings, walking in front of others in the street, looking askance for others. He feels irritated if the other person does not initiate the greeting of peace with him. So, we mentioned in hadith, I think the maybe the within the first couple of days of that the Prophet actually referenced, said that one of the treatments of pride is that a person initiate the salam, al-badi'u bis-salami, bari'um min al-kibari. You're free from pride when you initiate the salam because the person who is haughtier has pride, conceit. They desire that other people come and greet them. He, so he feels irritated if the other person does not initiate the greeting of peace with him or falls short in supplying his needs or venerating him. There's an expectation that you're going to treat me a certain way, and you don't treat me that way, so now I'm irritated because of it. It actually uh, causes uh, me to feel uneasy. Pride leads a person to scoff when he is admonished or taught, while he himself is harsh whenever he admonishes or teaches. You know, for instance, you uh, some people have the habit of, uh, when they give a talk, they're very harsh in their speech. They're giving a bayan, or they're giving advice to somebody. They're very harsh, they're very... Uh, quick to pass judgment maybe on, on people or on a community um, and the moment that someone reprimands them after for what, something maybe you you know you misquoted this hadith or I think you said this verse incorrectly or then they become very irritated they become very despite them displaying that uh, on that person when they were initially trying to teach he denies the truth when he debates and look at, looks at the common folk as if he were looking at donkeys um Pride is so detestable that whoever has a particle's weight of it in his art will not enter paradise. This is the hadith of the Prophet That even an atom's weight, a particle's weight of pride in a person's heart, 
uh, will cause that person to not enter Jannah due to the fact that beneath it are three types of immensely filthy traits. Um, so going back to the point that we just mentioned about, you know, when you admonish someone, then, then you are harsh, but then when you are the recipient of it, it irritates you. Um, you can apply this to many different things. For instance, if uh, you, someone who, if you lead, if you're someone who leads the law, for instance, and someone afterward tells you that, you know, there is there is a mistake, or you should have corrected it, or even in the salah, someone corrects you, and you become furious over it, you become very irritated over it. Well, this is a sign, as well. Um, and the person who has pride, in general, they cannot handle being reprimanded. They cannot stand being reprimanded by anyone, even. Uh, certainly not the only people they can perhaps consider being reprimanded by or if they have teachers or elders but even even that sometimes bothers them okay so the first of them is that so that these are the three types of immensely filthy traits the people of pride have the first of them is that it is a contention with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regarding an attribute that is unique to him for haughtiness is his upper garment as he has said Mighty fi- mightiness befits no one but him meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, in what sense does mightiness suit a lowly slave who has no dominion over his own personal affairs, let alone the affairs of the other? We don't even have control over our own lives. We don't bring ourselves into this world, and we don't decide when we're going to leave this world. We don't. We're not. We don't. When we sign up for a job, for instance, we don't even know if we're going to get it or not. We don't have a definitive source of income. Even we're dependent on, for every little thing. When somebody approached Adi radiAllahu anhu and he asked him. Uh, uh, or uh, it was asked about how much power do we have as human beings? How much might do we have? And again, like Allah Ta'ala is, like Imam Ghazali says, haughtiness and mightiness, these are characteristics of Allah. So how much do we have? So then he told him, okay, well, lift up your, lift up your, lift up one of your legs. So he lifted up his leg. He said, okay, now lift up your other leg. You can't even do that. So what kind of might or power do you have? You can't even control your own affairs, Imam Ghazali is saying. And yet you, uh, you feel like you are, that you have this quality of might but that's solely for Allah. The second, um, the second is that it leads a person pride leads a person to denying the truth and disdaining the creation. The Prophet said in a clarification of pride, the arrogant one is whoever is uh, uh, impotent toward the truth and has contempt for people. Scoffing at the truth closes the door of happiness, and so does having disdain for creation. So scoffing at the truth, right? So what happens when someone has pride is that because they feel they're better than others, the moment that someone brings truth before their very eyes, it isn't. They end up rejecting the truth, and it's not because they don't accept that it's the truth. It's because it came from that particular person. So if it comes from that person, well, who does that person have? Who are they to tell me anything? So for instance, you make wudu, and somebody corrects you and said, "Listen, you know, there's." You probably should focus your, your, you're not focusing on your ankles, your elbows are still dry, whatnot. You'll say, who says that? The Prophet didn't say you have to do that. Show me a hadith that says that. Show me a verse of the Quran that says you need to do that. And the reason you're making all these claims isn't because you deny the fact that you need to complete that wudu properly. It's because you don't want that person to tell you that you did something, that you did something incorrectly. So the result of it is you reject oftentimes wahi because of it and that's very dangerous and then the second problem is that, is that it, it causes you to have disdain for creation you, you cannot stand creation be correcting you so then you you look down upon the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because, uh, because of this someone said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has indeed concealed three things in three things he concealed his pleasure in his obedience, so do not make light of anything concerning it, for maybe Allah's pleasure is in it. He concealed his wrath in his obedience, so do not make light of anything concerning it, whether minor or major, for maybe the wrath of Allah is in it. Lastly, 
and this applies to this section, he concealed his protective friendship in his slaves. He concealed his protective friendship in his slaves. So do not belittle or disdain anyone from among them. Maybe he is a protected friend of Allah. Maybe any, anyone is potentially a wali of Allah. And when we, so we have to be very careful who we're dealing with. Outwardly, they may appear to be, quote unquote, a lowly slave. Uh, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has hidden his awliya in uh, uh, hidden his awliya amongst all these all the communities and you can never tell who the wali of Allah is so be very careful um not to try, not to uh, question not to question them or actually not to question them be very careful how you deal with them uh, how you deal with everyone because anyone potentially is a wali or a friend of Allah the third is that sort of the third issue with pride is that it comes between a person and all praiseworthy characteristics the arrogant person is unable to love for people what he loves for himself. The, un, the, 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 the arrogant person is unable to love for people what he loves for himself, unable to be humble. So he, the, 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 the arrogant person, he, because he doesn't, because he, 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 so this is similar, you can say, to um, envy, but it's actually, it, it, there, it, there are some subtle differences. So the person who has pride they can't stand seeing someone else get something better, or you can't stand someone else getting something in general. So they um, they never want anything good for anyone else, especially the person that they have conceit for. Um, they're unable to abandon scoffing at others or being arrogant or angry. It's interesting. So one of the characters, someone that has pride, is that or arrogance, is that they uh, they often have anger associated with it. Anger is often a characteristic. Um, he is unable to control anger, and unable to be gentle when advising, and unable to abandon ostentation. So you can see these are uh, other uh, blameworthy traits that Imam Ghazali covers in these nine, ten sections. And these are all directly linked with pride, meaning maybe the root of it is pride, or maybe it's disassociated with pride. Overall, there is no blameworthy characteristic that the arrogant person does not by necessity possess, meaning there are, it's, it, you have pride, you probably have a few other uh, issues as well. You know, it's, um, it's kind of like uh, if somebody has, um, uh, if somebody is, uh, has obesity, for instance. With obesity, often accompanying it will be high blood pressure, sleep apnea, uh, uh, hyperlipidemia, diabetes. It's all, it, they kind of almost come in a package sometimes. You can't just get one. Um, overall, there is no blameworthy characteristic that the Arab... Oh, so we cover this. So the next section, treating the filthy trait of pride. So Imam Ghazali separates treating pride into two, into two sections. One is treating the filthy traits of pride, and the second is treating pride by considering the object of pride. So first, you basically look at yourself. So he says, the summative treatment for curbing the filthy trait of pride is for a person to know himself, know, who you, know yourself well, that that he is at first a scattered sperm drop right that's how you, our our origins are from a drop of from from basically one cell uh that then met up with one other cell it was wondrously looking for another cell to connect with and then those two cells essentially connected so that's that's your origin that's where you came from you came from you came kind of bathed in impurity um so so at first that's your first step in the end he is a foul corpse that's your end point. If you've ever, if you've ever seen a corpse, especially after it's been lying around for a long period of time, if you like, you ever spend time in an anatomy lab and you see what the, what you, what, what all of us will end up becoming, it's it's quite frightening, uh, and humbling. And between these two, he carries filth. 
So in the time period in between when you came from that one or two cells and the time period where you became a corpse, the rest of the time you basically carried filth on your inside, meaning like excrement. He should understand the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. قُتِلَ الْإِنسَانُ مَا أَكْفَرَهُ مِنْ أَيِّ شَيْءٍ خَلَقَهُ مِنْ نُطْفَةٍ خَلَقَهُ فَقَدَّرَهُ ثُمَّ السَّبِيلَ يَسَّرَهُ ثُمَّ أَمَاتَهُ فَأَقْبَرَهُ So this is detailed in, in Abbas wa Tawalla, it was recited last night. Man is destroyed, how ungrateful he is. From what thing did, we cre- did he create him? What, from what did Allah create us? From a, from a drop of sperm he created him and then measured out his destiny. Uh, then he facilitated the way for him, meaning this world in which we're, ke- we're keeping uh, the filth within us. Then he causes him to die and he buries him. Um, so how ungrateful we are. Hence he should know that he was created from the silence of non-existence and was nothing, not even mentioned. And there is nothing less that is less than nothingness. We we were nothing and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us from nothing. And Imam Ghazali is saying there's nothing before before nothingness or lower than nothingness. You can't go lower than that. And that's what we actually, that was our reality. Uh, thereafter, Allah Ta'ala created him from dirt, then a drop of sperm, then a clinging form. The, the, the clot or the formula, forma, formulation of cells that attaches to the, the uterine wall. Uh, we're just, then, then after that, a piece of flesh. He had no hearing and no sight, no life and no power. Allah created all of that for him, yet he is still deficient in the extreme. Sickness and disease overcome him, and his natural compo- components are in opposition to one another, some of them destroying others. He becomes sick against his will, hungry against his will, thirsty against his will. He wants to know a thing, yet is ignorant of it. He wants to forget a thing, yet then he remembers it. Right? Think about it. You actively try to forget something, remove something from your mind, a bad memory that you had, and you aren't able to. That's the thing that keeps, uh, um, that takes over your memory. It's constantly constantly on your mind and yet when you want to remember something you have an exam coming up and you're trying to remember points a b and c what happens shows up on the exam and you don't remember what it is you want to memorize the quran you struggle with it so how much power do we really have he dislikes something that benefits him and desires something that harms him not for a moment is he secure from losing his life his mind his health or an organ or a limb from his body then finally he dies and is subjugated to punishment and accountability if he is from the people of hell then a pig is better than him so in what sense does pride befit him when he is a lowly slave possessed by another and is unable to do anything? Hassan al-Basri rahimahullah, Basri rahimahullah said to someone who walked with swagger, this is not the walk of someone who has excrement in his guts. We carry filth within us. We carry najasa within us all the time. Uh, so then he said, how does pride suit the one who has to clean waste off of his body at least twice a day and then has to carry it all the time? Uh, think about it. I mean, it's the blessing of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that He's concealed us within us, right? I mean, some people, uh, some people, because they have, you know, certain um, diseases, they they understand this, right? For instance, someone that has, uh, maybe they have like ulcerative colitis, or and then they have like a um, a colostomy bag where they aren't able to excrete from uh, from their rectum that actually goes into their their stool, or you could yeah, their stool essentially collects in a pouch and they're carrying this with them it's visible i mean they cover it up with like clothes and stuff but it's visible and they're carrying it with them i mean this is humbling for them this could happen to any one of us in addition it's you know there are times where you are um where you have extreme like diarrhea for instance and you have to go to the restroom 25 30 times a day for for a period of time think about it i mean how do you feel at that time you don't feel above the world right because allah ta'ala took away your ability to hold in that filth and then 
Now, one day that, that was taken away from you, maybe you're sick, maybe you're ill, maybe you got the flu, and then what, you're going constantly you know, to relieve yourself, and you're reminded at that time that, wow, th if this was my state until I pass away, who am I? I'm a nobody, I'm a, I'm a nothing. Uh, thankfully, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hasn't, hasn't done that, has kept us, uh, has kept, uh, has kept this, has allowed us to keep it within us. Uh, okay, so the next section. Treating pride uh, by considering the object of pride. So this is the second segment of treatment. A detailed discussion of the treatment of pride must be in reference to what pride is taken in. And there are four qualities. So this is really the four types of people that have pride, you can say, or four qualities that a person has pride over. The first is knowledge. The Prophet said, the sickness of knowledge is conceit. The sickness of knowledge is conceit. He also said, do not be among the high-handed scholars, for your knowledge would not compensate for your ignorance. It is rare that a scholar is free from the sickness of pride. Indeed, he sees himself as being above people with his knowledge. So most of us are not scholars. So in our own mind, we, we all have a little bit of knowledge. So apply this to yourself, uh, thinking that, okay, well, based off of the knowledge that I have, how does this apply to me? Um, indeed, he sees himself as being above people with his knowledge, with the most honorable virtue, which is, which is otherwise the most honorable virtue amongst Allah. Sometimes he is arrogant with religion, regarding himself as superior to others according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And sometimes he is arrogant concerning the world, regarding his right as an obligation on people, and being taken aback if they do not humble themselves to him. Right? The, this attitude, um, a few attitudes that number one, uh, what, where would the world be without me? If it wasn't for the knowledge that I had that I could share with the people in my masjid, the people in my MSA, or the people in in my home, if it wasn't, if it weren't for me, where would the where would the deen be? How would the deen survive without my knowledge, right? And signs of this is that you become obsessed with the response that people give you in response to the knowledge that you have or that you share. So if you don't get, uh, you're sharing knowledge and you're wondering, well, how many Facebook likes am I going to get in response to this hadith that I shared, or how many, um, uh, and how many retweets am I going to get? Well, this is a this is a sign that you feel that the deen or the world is dependent upon your display of knowledge when then that's obviously not the case um, or your community for instance okay sometimes mm, okay it is more fitting that this type of person be called ignorant that this person's a jahil if they feel that their knowledge is is the reason that people if if, if the community is absolutely dependent on their knowledge Real knowledge is that through which he knows his Lord and himself. The, and real knowledge is the risk of his life ending in a bad state. If you, if you truly have knowledge, then you'd know that there's always this possibility that your life will end in a bad state. And that thought will constantly uh, sit over you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's proof against him, meaning there's far more proof against what we're doing than there is proof for what we're doing. Um, real knowledge is to pay close attention to the risk of his life ending in a bad state is to risk that there's a possibility that I'm going to end up in Jahannam or that my that my last few moments will, will be without Iman. Um, and, uh, and real knowledge is to not see an ignorant person without saying, perhaps he disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in ignorance, but I have disobeyed him with knowledge. This is what real knowledge is, that a person... Um, they look at someone who's maybe disobeying Allah or you see that that person is... Uh, perhaps not as connected to deen. And you say that, well, look, at least this person doesn't know 
what about me? I actually know. Allah Ta'ala has given me knowledge of deen and despite this, I'm not practicing it. I, I'm much lower than this person. Maybe Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala will overlook it because this person was ignorant. So that's the attitude Imam Ghazali is saying that a person should have. Um, Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala's proof against me is more firmly established. Remember we were mentioning that Allah Ta'ala privileges people. So for instance, if Allah Ta'ala gives you the privilege of having uh, a car and you don't go to the masjid, um, well, then the person that doesn't close the masjid before they don't have a car, they're less accountable for it. You're the one that's been privileged with the, with the vehicle. Similarly, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you knowledge of deen and then you don't act upon it and someone else hasn't been given knowledge of deen, well, we are the ones that are privileged. And if we don't act upon it, then, then that's, that's a major problem. Um, Allah ta'ala, okay, Abu, uh, Abu Darda radiallahu anhu said, whoever increases in knowledge increases in humility. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to his Prophet, hmm. Okay, let's, let's move here. A person should think how many Muslims looked at Umar radiallahu anhu before he converted to Islam and disdained him. Before Umar became Muslim, um, many people looked down upon him from within the Muslim community. Why? Because of uh, because he was staunchly against the deen. Staunchly against the deen. And so many people looked down upon him. The final deeds of Umar radiallahu anhu were what they were. We know what the deeds of Umar radiallahu anhu were in his final moment, were, were in his, the last, you know, the last period of his life. Perhaps the Muslim who disdained him uh, apostatized after the conversion of Umar. Maybe the person who disdained Umar anhu, maybe they left the deen after Umar anhu entered the deen. Thus the arrogant one was from the people of hell, and the one who was viewed arrogantly was from the people of paradise. So even when it comes to people that don't believe in Allah, we don't look down upon them. Because it's possible that we will lose iman, and Allah Ta'ala will give them iman, and then we end up becoming the losers. We end up the one, being the ones that are in Jahannam. Um, Okay. Okay, so this this was regarding to the people that have knowledge, whether it be ulama, whether it be any one of us that either studied or uh, we possess we all possess some knowledge. The second reason for pride is piety and devout worship. The devout worshipper, so this this is references the ibadah that we do. The devout worshipper is not devoid of inward pride. The foolishness of some of them have e has even gone to the point that they regard people's misfortunes and triumphs as being because of their miracle working. You know, because I'm guiding toward deen. See, you didn't listen to me. See what happened to you? If you would have listened to me, then this wouldn't have happened to you. This misfortune wouldn't have befallen you. Uh, why, why wouldn't you just listen to me? I told you. You know, we do this with our children. And maybe maybe that has its place because, you know, you do have the responsibility of giving them tarbiyah. But outside of that responsibility, I mean, there's very few situations in which you can... Uh, we, you can reprimand people in that way that had you listened to me this would have this wasn't even the habit of our ulama and our scholars I can tell you of all of maybe every time that I've ever seeken advice from my teachers it would never and if I didn't listen to them maybe I could think of maybe one time where after the fact they said that you know you should have listened to what I said most of the time they don't they just move on um Okay, then, the right thing for a devout worshiper to do when he looks at a scholar is to be humble with him due to his ignorance. Look at the people of piety of ilm and be humble due to your own ignorance. If he looks at an open sinner, he should say, maybe he has an inner trait that covers his outer acts of disobedience. Right? When you look at somebody who is, uh, who is ignorant or an open sinner, a fasiq, maybe he has an inner trait that's covering his outer acts of disobedience. And on the other hand, maybe there is envy, ostentation, or inner filth for which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala despises me and thus will not uh, uh, accept my outer deeds. So the, uh, my inward is worse than my outward, and so that's, gonna cover, that's covering up my outward. Allah ta'ala won't accept it. Allah ta'ala despises, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at the hearts, not the forms. This is the hadith of Prophet Inna Allah la yanzuru ila suwarikum. He doesn't look at your... Uh, 
uh, your outward appearance وَأَمْوَالِكُمْ or your wealth وَلَا يَنظُرُ إِلَىٰ قُلُوبِكُمْ He looks inside, he looks at your heart, what's contained within your hearts وَأَعْمَالِكُمْ and your deeds And amongst, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at the hearts, not the forms And among the inner filth of the heart is pride It has been narrated from a, that a man from the children of Israel Who was called uh, uh, the profligate of Israel due to his extreme corruption So he was known to be very wasteful he sat with the devout worshipper of the children of Israel, and this person said, the, the one who was wasteful said, Perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will have mercy on me through his blessing. The devout worshipper said to himself, How could the likes of this open sinner sit with me? Uh, who does he think he is to come sit with me? He said to him, Get away from me. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to the Prophet at that, of that time, Go to each of them and tell them to start anew. Meaning, go to the person who was wasteful, tell him to start fresh. And go to the person who was the devout worshiper, tell him to start fresh. For I have forgiven the one who was wasting, the profligate. And I have annulled the deeds of the devout worshiper. They're both now on the same level. The devout worshiper and the one, they're on the exact same level. They're both told to start completely anew, completely afresh. For two different reasons. So we have to be very mindful of this. Very mindful of this. That we never look down upon anyone. And think that we're better than someone else. Because of the reasons Imam Ghazali mentions. You know, someone because of their outward appearance. Or maybe we, we think they're not connected to deen. One, we don't know what's in their heart. And even if in their heart is filled. We don't know what's going to come of them later. And we don't know what's going to come of us later. So always think that you are less than the person that you're interacting with. It doesn't matter who that person is. They could be outwardly more pious than you. They could be a scholar. They could be outwardly more deficient than you. Uh, it is narrated that a man stepped on the neck of a devout worshipper from the children of Israel while he was prostrating. He said to him, get up, but for by Allah, Allah will not forgive you. So Allah revealed to him, O you who has sworn by me, to the contrary, it is you whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not forgive. Hence the smart ones, the intelligent ones, right? And the, those uh, Allah has given intelligence. They are the ones who are very careful about this and say what Ata As-Sunami used to say, despite his extreme piety, that whenever there was a strong wind or lightning, he said, he would say, none of this afflicts people except because of me. If Ata were to die, they would be freed from it. There are people, of, there are people who exist today and I've met them who genuinely believe, genuinely believe that the difficulties that the Ummah faces is because of their own sins. Not the sins of them and their community or the people around them. They, them, they feel that it's because of their own actions themselves. This is why the Ummah is suffering. Um, I would hope uh, someone once said, uh, okay, so then, examine the huge difference between someone who is sincere about his deeds and piety and thus fears for himself versus someone who grudgingly performs outer deeds that might not be free from ostentation and other uh, ailments, then acts as though he is doing Allah Ta'ala a favor by his action. Allah Ta'ala doesn't need any favors from us. We are in desperately in need of Allah. It doesn't matter. No deeds actually elevate Allah in any way. So we, whether it be propagating his deen, whether it be... Protecting his deen, whether it be serving the creation of his deen, Allah Ta'ala doesn't actually need this. So we are just privileged when Allah Ta'ala gives us this responsibility. Uh, examine the huge difference between someone who is sincere about his deeds and piety and thus fears for himself versus someone who grudgingly. Uh, sorry. The, the third reason about pride uh, is lineage. Is that So some people, because of their lineage, they come from a particular family, they have pride. So they're always referencing the people above them, you know, their parents, their grandparents. This is constant reference. Its treatment is that a person examines his lineage, for indeed, his father was a scattered sperm drop and his grandfather was dirt. So your parents came from the, the cells and your grandfather came from dirt. Uh, there is nothing nastier than uh, than these two things. 
Okay, so furthermore, the one who boasts of lineage, meaning you always reference somebody above you, your parents, your grandparents, maybe someone else in your family, you always you, you basically write off of, off of them, uh, is boasting about the... So someone who boasts about lineage, you're boasting about the qualities of other people. You're boasting about the qualities of other people. If his forefathers were to speak, they would surely say, what's so special about you in particular? You're praising your forefathers. That's fine. You're praising them. You're thinking that this is now reflecting on you. And, but if they were to speak, they would say, what's so special about you? you um, for this reason, it is said, if you boast about high-born forefathers, meaning your lineage, you have told the truth. You haven't lied that these people are very special. But what an awful thing they have produced. <laughs> what an awful thing. Al Ghazali is saying, you're boasting about them. You've told the truth. There's no, there's, you're, to- you're absolutely right in, 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 in raising them. Uh, but look at what they've produced. Uh, what, what an awful thing they've produced. How can someone be arrogant about having the lineage of, uh, about, of wealthy people? Um, yeah, so how can someone be arrogant about having the lineage of wealthy people? So you say, I come from a wealthy family, a rich family, uh, when they might be burned to ashes in hell and would wish to be pigs and dogs just to get out of the plight they are in. Animals won't be tested. They're not held accountable. In fact, the entire universe is going to disappear except human beings. So they, the better that they be, that they be, that they be animals. How can someone be arrogant about having lineage of religious people when they themselves were never arrogant? Their honor was through their religiousness, and part of that religiousness was humility. So even if you come from a family of scholars, one of them would say, "If I, if only I were a piece of straw, if only I were a bird." They would make these statements. These were realities in their heart. All of them were preoccupied with fear of a disastrous end that would result from pride, despite their knowledge and their works. So how could someone who is bereft of their qualities be arrogant about having their lineage? Okay, the last reason, and then this is the last section. The fourth reason is pride due to wealth, beauty, or having followers. Pride due to these things is ignorance, for indeed they are not innate qualities. By this I mean, Imam Ghazali means, wealth and having followers. How can someone be arrogant about quality for which the hand of the thief and the robber is outstretched? How can someone boast about beauty when a month's fever spoils it and smallpox removes it? Really, if an attractive person were to think about the nasty mess within their body, it would astonish him such that he forgot his superficial adornment. So first he said, how can you boast about your beauty when a month's fever or smallpox remove it, right? There are people who Allah Ta'ala has given them you know, extreme beauty, physical beauty, and then they get ill really quickly. They go into like septic shock and they're in the ICU. They have a tube down their throat. They're connected to all these leads. And if you look at them a week or two later, you would never know how attractive they were. They're they're uh, malnourished. They have uh, uh, there's blood, blood pouring from different orifices. I mean, it's uh, it's this is how quickly that is removed. So how could you be arrogant about this when in a minute it could be taken away from you? And then uh, and then he said, look at the nasty mess within your body. If you were to open up your outer layers and actually look at your internal organs, no one finds that to be attractive. I don't care how attractive or how much wealth you have, or how beautiful people might think you are, the moment if you're somebody were to look at like an MRI scan of your body, no one would say, wow, how attractive that liver is. Wow, look at the way those uh, muscle fibers come together. You wouldn't think that. So if you just, the only organ that maybe is attractive is, is a person's skin, or maybe the shape of their bones, but the rest of their organs are not attractive, and this is what we're composed of. Um, so if an, he says... Um, if an attractive person were to neglect taking care of their body through bathing and cleaning for a week, uh, they would become nastier than a corpse from bad breath, body odor, the stench of waste, the grossness of dirt. I think some of us are feeling this now. Uh, dirt's not in room. In what sense can a rubbish dump boast about its beauty? 
if you just don't maintain yourself for a period of time, then you be basically are equivalent to like a dumpster. Remember what Zadi is saying? So this is the end of the section from what he said. There's two additional points that I want to mention, and then inshallah we'll take some questions. We have about 15 minutes. So the, the first thing is um, uh, basically two, two other points that um, that are related. The first is that a person who uh, feels like they might have pride for something that they're doing in their heart, uh, they should never actually leave the deed they should rather try to fix their pride. So sometimes people that have pride, they say that, you know, I have pride, I'm never going to leave Salah again. Uh, because every time I leave Salah, I feel like I have pride. I'm never going to recite Quran in public again. I'm never going to, um, uh, uh, I'm never going to give another talk again. Or I'm never going to come to Irtikaf again. I'm never going to uh, go to the Masjid for Salah again. These are all deceptions of Shaitan. So the the way to correct this isn't to correct the deed. That it's not to it's not to uh, rectify the deed itself. Meaning the deed still has to be performed. Rather, you rectify the heart, which is which is contained uh, with has pride in it. And the second point is that um, many times it's very difficult to decipher. You know which deeds you're performing actually have pride, which ones do not have pride, and should you like how how you should handle it. And honestly, the easiest way to deal with this issue is to just have someone tell you what to do. If you have someone tell you what to do, then you're no longer thinking about, do I have pride, do I not have pride? You're doing it because you have to do it. And there are times where you don't want to do a deed, but because someone's telling you that you need to do a deed, then you end up doing it. There are times where you really want to do a deed, maybe because it's your pride that's the driving force behind it. But, you know, your, the, your, your teacher or your sheikh says, you know, uh, you shouldn't do it for whatever reason. Maybe they have a different reason. So now you're like, oh, I really wanted to do it. People would have been there, et cetera, et cetera. But now you're forced not to do it. So that's, I mean, I think the most practical way of of, suppress, of, of dealing with, with this issue um, for most people. So that's, uh, that's the end of it. Uh,